Thank you all very much for coming. I'm going to read a little bit before Bhagavad Gita from a book by B.R. Sridhar Swami. I think we'll just walk through this book step by step over the next few weeks. It's a nice presentation of our philosophy. I'll let it speak for itself. Please listen attentively to what I shall explain. In a scientific way, I shall try to explain the subject to you in general, independently of all religious conceptions. First of all, we should understand that there are three planes of life, the plane of mundane enjoyment, the plane of renunciation, and the plane of dedication. The plane of enjoyment is where we are at present, more or less. Mundane enjoyment means exploitation, and without exploitation, none can exist in this plane. Ahastani sahastanam, apadani chatespadam, faguni tatra mahatam, jivo jivasya jivanam. Those with hands live off those that have none. Four-footed animals live on grass, creepers, etc., and the large live off the small. Everything is full of life. Creepers, grass, and trees also have life, but without exploitation, none can maintain their body in this plane. This is the plane of exploitation, and as Newton's third law says, to every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. By exploitation, one incurs some debt. To clear that debt, we have to go down. In this way, there are so many jivas, or souls, going up and down, up and down, due to action and reaction in the plane of exploitation. Society is trying to exploit to the utmost. Everywhere, there is the attempt to live at the cost of others. Without it, life is impossible because this is the plane of exploitation. The Buddhists, the Jains, the followers of Sankara, and so many others are trying to get out of this entanglement of exploitation and find a life where there is no exploitation, no action and reaction. To avoid action and reaction, they try to find a position of renunciation. And they come to a conception similar to dreamless sleep, that of samadhi, to withdraw completely from the objective world and remain in the subjective plane without allowing their feelings to move into the lower plane. They always keep a subjective position. And that is something like dreamless sleep. The Vaishnav section, those who serve the Supreme Lord, are of the opinion that there is another world, the world of dedication. That dedication is just the opposite of exploitation. In the mundane plane, every unit wants to exploit the environment, whereas in the plane of dedication, every unit wants to serve the environment. The real key to the life of that plane is to serve the center. We are living in an organic whole, so every point must be true to the organic center. The explanation is given in Srimad Bhagavatam by the analogy of serving the root of a tree. 
In the Vedic literature also we find it said, try to find the one by knowing whom everything is known. There is a central point by knowing which everything is known and by attaining which everything is attained. The long and short of the entire Vedic advice is to try to seek out that center. There you have it. Free of religious conception. A simple explanation of of existence of the living entity. One thing I find very unique in Sridhar Swami's presentations, he always gets to the very core of the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. And he does so in a very straightforward and easy to understand manner. As he said, free of religious conception. Generally when we think of religion, we think of one group's conception as opposed to another group's conception. Our Vedic philosophy is free of that sectarian presentation in its most pure form. We are not about to uh, lay claim to being completely free of some sectarian bias because that's the nature of this plane. And even in trying to go towards the spiritual end, of course, we have those conceptions already there. But as we progress in spiritual understanding, we will be able to come to a, to a level of consciousness wherein all the various conceptions regarding spiritual reality can be harmonized. So even though we may see, even within the practitioners of Krishna consciousness who are following Vedic injunction and have so many different conceptions because all those conceptions center on, as Sridhar put so nicely here, the center on, on Krishna, there's harmony in that. And you'll also find even in the topmost level of spiritual Leela, there is also some difference in the ideas regarding uh, how best to serve Krishna. Radha's camp seems, is always putting forth that Radha is the best servant of Krishna. And uh, there are other camps. Chandravali is also there with her camp. And she is thinking, I can serve Krishna best. And her followers are also putting forth that conception. Even in the battlefield of Kurukshetra, even Krishna's brother, his older brother Balaram, he sided with Dhritarashtra and Duryodhana. Even Krishna is, is not in complete harmony with Balaram when it comes to, to, to what should be done in regards to settling the affairs of state. This evening we start... Bhagavad Gita, second chapter. So we can begin with the first text. Sandhyavacha, tamtata kripayavistam, asru puda kuleksanam, visidantam idam bhakyam, uvacha barasudana. Sanjaya said, seeing Arjuna, Arjuna full of compassion, his mind depressed, his eyes full of tears, marasudana. Krishna spoke the following words. Omajanatramanandasya, 
Jana Jana Salakaya Shakshur Melitanyain at Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes. With the torchlight of knowledge, I offer my most respectful obeisances unto him. Verse 2 The Supreme Personality of God had said, My dear Arjuna, how have these impurities come upon you? They are not at all befitting a man who knows the value of life. They lead not to higher planets, but to infamy. Krishna's immediately pointing out, Kutas twa kasmalami dam, where from has this dirtiness come? So these misconceptions that Arjuna is putting forth, that he put forth at the end of the first chapter, are, as referred to here by Krishna, dirtiness. Something that contaminates the consciousness. Uh, we chant weekly the prayers to of Shikshastika, Cheta Darpanamarjana, that by this process of Krishna consciousness, the dirty things in the mind are cleared. Cheta Darpanamarjana, Bhava Maha Devagni Nirvapanam. And the, and the fire of material lamentation is, is extinguished simply by this chanting process. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. By that process, the mind is cleansed. Here, Krishna is stating that the, the conceptions that Arjuna has put forth, and they're all based on religiosity in society. Uh, the fact that uh, he didn't want to kill uh, his teachers, and he's going to reinforce that here at the beginning of this chapter again. Uh, that he didn't want to engage in warfare with his relatives, that he saw no good coming from a battle wherein the elders of society would in all likelihood all be killed, that so many women would lament without husbands after the battlefield was, after the battle was fought. And in not being protected by their good husbands, there would every, there's every chance that they would be polluted by irreligiosity. Because of that pollution, they would have offspring that weren't raised properly. Like even now in, in Western society, we see that it's a huge problem, the fact that women aren't protected, and there's a huge, a huge amount of divorce, what to speak, of a, a large segment of Youth born in, what do they call them, single-parent families. Therefore, there's not a good environment. The children, children are not fully protected because the women are not protected. They're not respected. Culture in human society is there for so many reasons. Arjuna brings this forth, that when you have this kind of offspring, which are not raised in a healthy, protective environment, then society gradually just goes down, step by step. We can see that very prominent in our country, in, in the inner city, where so many different unprotected children simply band together and find their family in groups of their own, gang. And one gang goes and the next 
against another gang. And, but their whole loyalty, their whole sense of family is in that, in that gang. And unfortunately, the, without proper direction, the gangs are simply, simply resort to the lowest kinds of uh, employment. Arjuna put forth that argument. That was not Arjuna's position at this point right before the battle. As we spoke earlier when we were talking about the discord between Krishna and Balaram, all diplomatic channels had already been completely exhausted. There was no chance that there could be a peaceful solution wherein proper government could be instated without this battle. So for Arjuna to put forth these arguments at this stage, when all diplomacy had been fully exhausted and the armies are on the battlefield ready to resolve the conflict by the only remaining means available was not proper for him. He was a Kshatriya, and it was his duty to engage in this battle. And for him to show this weakness of heart, although it's very nice for any man to be compassionate, in this instance, his compassion is misplaced. And his compassion is based on material attachment. Attachment to family, attachment to, to elders. So, Bhagavan. Bhagavan is that supreme personality of Godhead. What does Bhagavan mean? That personality that possesses all shaktis, all powers, all energies. Shri. Shri embodies that concept of the powers, the energies of the Supreme. And you will not find the Supreme Lord independent of his energies. And what's the foremost of his energies? Shri. Shri, representing Lakshmi, in the case of Narayan, or Radha, in the case of Krishna. That's the topmost energy. Bhagavan, that personality that embodies those energies... Those energies, and specifically, the great sages, they point out that there's six main characteristics that we can look to. Although the Lord's potencies are unlimited, his various energies, his shaktis, cannot even ever be counted. Still, there's six mains. Beauty, wealth, strength, fame, knowledge, and renunciation. These six are the primary. So that's, that's implied in the word Bhagavan. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha. We know who's speaking here. That supreme personality of Godhead. Where from has this dirtiness come from? These concepts that should not be applied in this situation. This weakness of heart due to material affection. Visame, in the hour of crisis... Samupastitam arrived, Anarya, persons who know the value of life. Do not. I'm sorry, do not know. Anarya, 
Justam, practiced by, Asvargyam, which does not lead to higher planets, but to infamy. Krishna is asking Arjuna, where, where, why has this weakness come upon you? Where have these concepts come from, which are not concepts which someone of your character should be displaying at this hour? O son of Prita, do not yield to this degrading impotence. It does not become you. Give up such petty weakness of heart and arise, O chastiser of the enemy. Krishna's simple explanation. Toss this off and let's get to the task at hand. Arjuna still, there's some weakness there. He comes back and he reiterates what he said at the end of the first chapter. Arjuna said, O killer of enemies, O killer of Madhu, how can I counterattack with arrows in battle men like Bhishma and Drona who are worthy of my worship? Very important here because Arjuna is trying to, this is his best argument. And he's immediately bringing it out. His best argument is, from a religious viewpoint, one should never attack his guru. It's a very valid argument. One should never attack his guru. His elders, family elders, you just don't do that. Civilized people don't do that. It would be better to live in this world by begging than to do that, than to live at the lives of great souls who are my teachers. Even though desiring worldly gain, even though they have some fault, they are superiors. If they are killed, everything we enjoy will be tainted with blood. Now, in the Mahabharata, Bhishma, who is one of the personalities Arjuna is referring to, Grandfather Bhishma, he admitted to Yudhisthira that he was attached to the opulence that he was receiving from his service to the household of Dhritarashtra. He admitted this. I'm attached to, to the compensation I'm receiving. But there is a verse in the Vedas that states there is a circumstance wherein the guru can be dealt with differently. One can reject a guru under three circumstances. If the guru is too proud, if the guru has lost his power of discrimination between what is right and what is wrong. And if the guru has become addicted somehow or other to sinful activities. Even though it was a good argument, in consideration of the circumstance, it wasn't valid. These two individuals, specifically Grandfather Bhishma and Dronacharya, his military teacher, Although his guru and elders, they had lost proper discrimination. They'd taken the wrong side. So they no longer knew what was the right side and what was the wrong side. And they specifically displayed this by remaining silent during the attempt to disrobe Dupati in the assembly of the Kurus. They lost discrimination because of their silence. That was definitely 
sinful activity on their part. They knew this was not a proper cultured, civilized men just don't do this. They don't stand by idly while a woman is is disrobed. Especially someone of the high character and quality of Drupati, yes. No question. It seems like those are still material reasons to not to do it. Yeah, our gender's putting up material reasons to not do it. Seems like those are still material reasons or considerations. You know, codes of moral morality. There's co- yes. What the codes of conduct. The Dharma Shastras tell us how we need to conduct our affairs in, in material existence. So yes, you're right. So Arjuna is there. I would be better I would I'd be better off rather than killing these individuals, although it's not brought out here. The Charyas, they bring out the fact that He's not really standing on extremely firm ground because of the misconduct of both Grandfather Bhishma and Dronacharya. They lost that privileged position they held as Arjuna's elders and teacher. Does that make sense? Even though desiring worldly gain, in other words, they had fallen, they had some ill motives of their own, they are my superiors. Arjuna is still holding on. They're, they're my superiors. If they are killed, everything we enjoy will be tainted with blood. Nor do we know which is better, conquering them or being conquered by them. If we killed the sons of Dhritarashtra, we should not care to live. Yet they are now standing before us on the battlefield. Again, a material consideration. Arjuna is making the point here well, what kind of kingdom would I have if there's no one left in the kingdom? There's going to be a major battle here. Who's going to be left? I just don't know what's better, to conquer them or to be conquered by them. Now I'm confused about my duty and have lost all composure because of miserly weakness. Kripanya. Kripana. Kripa. Kripana means miserly. Self-interest. So the first word, miserliness, because of miserly weakness. In this condition, I'm asking you to tell me for certain what is best for me. Now I am your disciple and a soul surrendered unto you. Please instruct me. In preparing for class and reading the various commentaries, the Acharyas point out some very, very interesting points. I mean, it's... How deep can Bhagavad Gita get? This this will give you some indication. What we see here in Arjuna's putting forth these arguments is we actually see, we're given a glimpse of his qualifications as a worthy... There's an, an interesting voice verse, I'm sorry, for... The qualifications for knowledge of the Supreme Self given in the Brihad Aranyaka Upanishad. These qualifications are listed there as four. Control of the mind and senses, indifference to the world, tolerance, and 
faith. Four qualifications in order to receive spiritual knowledge that any sincere student should have. Control of the mind and senses. Indifference to the world. In other words, not having that exploitive mentality. Tolerance. Tolerance. Tolerance is the one thing that allows us to chant. Isn't it? Devoid of all sense of false prestige. More tolerant than the tree. And faith. The first thing is shraddha. Faith. Let's look to these four qualities and see where Arjuna displays them in his discourse with Krishna. This is what the Acharyas point out. So, control of the mind and senses. What is the, in the first chapter, the 32nd verse, what's that? What's said there? 132. Control of the mind and senses. Keep that in mind. Now let's read the verse. O Govinda, what avail to us are a kingdom, happiness, or even life itself, when all those for whom we may desire them are now arrayed on this battlefield? Madhusudana, when teachers, fathers, sons, grandfathers, maternal uncles, fathers-in-law, grandsons, brothers-in-law, and other relatives are ready to give up their lives and properties and are standing before me, why should I wish to kill them even though they might otherwise kill me? O maintainer of all living entities, I am not prepared to fight with them even in exchange for the three worlds, let alone this earth. What pleasure will we derive from killing the sons of Dhritarashtra? That's how controlled Arjuna is. I'm not willing to fight with them for anything on this material plane. What good will it do me? And also, what, what else comes out in this verse? O maintainer of all living entities. So the point being made here is Arjuna in this verse is putting forth the level of control he has. So in these verses, we can see the fact that he has control of his mind and senses. He's not willing to fight for material sense gratification. Indifference to the world in the 35th text. I'm not prepared to fight with them even in exchange for the three worlds. In other words, he has no interest in worldly gain. Tolerance is another characteristic. And if we look at the fifth verse of the second chapter, he states, I'm willing to live by begging. Now, what's the position of a beggar? I see it down on the street corner when I drive by. They're standing in the freezing cold. Everyone is driving by. How many donations are they getting? They're holding out their bucket. Please give. This one guy had a, a sign up today. I'm out of work. Help me. <laughs> Where's your Christmas spirits? Let's see a little bit of it. So much tolerance is required to be a beggar. Arjuna's a Kshatriya by nature. He's a fighter. For a fighter to be willing to take up the business of a beggar takes an extreme amount of tolerance. And full of faith. 
And the seventh verse, the next verse from the second chapter, we'll see the level of com- complete faith that Arjuna has in surrender to Krishna. Now I'm confused about my duty and have lost all composure because of miserly weakness. In this condition, I am asking you to tell me for certain what is best for me. Now I am your disciple and a soul surrendered unto you. Please instruct me. In other words, complete, total submission to Krishna. You tell me what's best. I am so confused. I am so bewildered. And I know my bewilderment. I know the cause of it. It's miserly. My miserly weakness. I'm a creepin' up. I'm only looking out for my own self-interest here. And it's getting the better of me. Please help. Another couple qualities. A lack of greed. In the 38th verse of the first chapter, you'll see. I don't care if I win a kingdom. A disciple, he also is free of this quality of greed. Arjuna's expressed that. Even you give me a kingdom on it, I don't care. Tolerance in the 43rd verse. Distinction, so much tolerance. How much tolerance does it take to be willing to go to hell? What's Arjuna's position? 43rd verse. O Krishna, maintainer of the people, I have heard by disciplic succession that those who destroy family traditions dwell always, always in hell. Arjuna's qualifications, the Acharyas have brought out in their purports. His qualifications as a disciple. It's interesting that in the dialogue we can see, even though Arjuna is overcome by material bewilderment, he's still a man of character. And his character comes through even in his weakness of heart. He's misdirected, but still, his good qualifications. Similarly, that's our position. The sincere devotee, he approaches the bona fide spiritual master and he may be full of all misconception. But if he has good character, even though he may be full of misconceptions, he may not, know, he may not even know the difference between what is matter and what is spirit. He may not know anything about the nature of the soul. This knowledge may not be there at all. But if he has these characteristics, this bit of good character, a little bit of faith, a little bit of detachment, a little bit of sense control, a little bit of tolerance, then it's a good foothold for advancement in spiritual life. Then when he comes in contact with the bona fide spiritual master, he can make advancement. These characteristics generally are there in the character of people who are in the mode of goodness. They develop these characteristics. As we'll study in Bhagavad Gita, we'll see these come out more and more as the characteristics of someone situated in the mode of goodness. Therefore, we see the significance of the Varnashram institution that the Supreme Lord has enacted in his material creation, where there's four divisions according to occupation, and there's four divisions according to progression in life. 
the ashrams, Varnashram. Varna is our occupation, ashram is our station in life at a particular time. So it's so important that this Varnashram system be properly executed because everyone, no matter what their position, whether they be full of ignorance or full of passion, are gradually raised up by this institution of Varnashram Dharma to the platform of goodness. From the platform of goodness, these good characteristics are there where one can surrender to good instruction. Text 8. I can find no means to drive away this grief which is drying up my senses. I will not be able to dispel it even if I win a prosperous unrivaled kingdom on earth with sovereignty like the demigods in heaven. In other words, even if he gets, even if, they are, even if he's victorious and everything comes his way, this pain, this lamentation will not be dispelled. So he sees quite clearly that even being victorious, the lamentation will not, will not end. Now Sanjaya speaks. Sanjaya said, Having spoken thus, Arjuna, chastiser of enemies, told Krishna, Govinda, shall not fight, and fell silent. O descendant of Bharat, at that time Krishna, smiling in the midst of both armies, spoke the following words to the grief-stricken Arjuna. Another interesting point I'll close on regarding text number 9. This statement by Arjuna was extremely truthful. Krishna, I will not fight. The whole pretext of Arjuna's fighting is fighting on his own behalf. When he says he doesn't, will not fight, he's being truthful. The Acharyas point this out. He's being truthful because at the end of Bhagavad Gita, he fully surrenders to Krishna. He becomes Krishna's en instrument in the fighting, which is all Krishna wanted him to do, is surrender and become his instrument. Having no personal stake in the matter. So therefore, when he said, I shall not fight, referring to, I shall not fight on my own behalf, he's being truthful. Because when he's finally convinced by Krishna, he fully surrenders and he becomes Krishna's instrument. Arjuna no longer has any material stake in the matter. One thing in text 7, there's one word there that's interesting. Sadi. Sadi means, please teach me. So we see at the end of the text there, Sishyaste ham sadimam twam prapanam. Sishya, Sishya, disciple. I'm becoming a disciple. At this point, Arjuna is making the plea very strongly. I know that you and I are friends. And under normal situation, in our friendship, you may not feel that it's proper for you because of our friendship for you to give me instruction. But in text 7, Arjuna's pleading with Krishna, please, with this word, Sadi, you take up the position of teacher. Give that precedence over our friendly relationship. It's funny, sometimes in the uh, 
purports and in the explanations, the Acharyas, they, they add their own dialogue, a deeper dialogue in their purports, their tikas. They'll give some, some additional dialogue that, may, that we could imagine happening between Krishna and Arjuna. And there it's explained, both, both in, the, in the commentary of Vishwanath Chakravarti and Baladev Vidyabhushan, that Krishna would argue, I can't be your teacher, I'm your friend. You'll never take me serious. And therefore we can see the need for Arjuna to, to make this statement. Now I'm your disciple. Now I surrender to you. Teach me. Let's set the friendship aside. Because I'm, I don't know how to get out of my lamentable condition. Next week we'll actually start the uh, Gita Upanishad. Krishna is going to start giving codified. Now when we talk about the Upanishads, this is Shruti. Shruti is, is the essence of Vedic knowledge. And it's generally spoken in code. It has to be unpacked. So that's why we have Shruti, Smriti, Puranadi, Shruti, Smriti, Smriti. That's when the Acharyas take this compact knowledge and unpack it so that we can understand it. Otherwise, it's, it's generally very difficult, especially in this age for us to... So it's like a compressed file. Yeah, I guess it's like a compressed file. <laughs> It's like a verse of poetry. Sometimes the poet himself needs to explain it. You'll find that a lot as you study. Yeah. Especially get into the dialogue between the residents of, of Vrindavan, Krishna's most intimate disciples. Very, very high dialogue there. It's there on so many levels. Some very intimate and some very instructional. Some very general. Any questions? It's a really nice non non sectarian approach. What was the other book? Inner with or something? What Joy of the Self. No, the one by Sridhar Swami. Inner fulfillment. Inner fulfillment. It's like the second book in that series, second little booklet. Inner fulfillment. Mm-hmm. For his mat. Left his body this year or something mm-hmm. recently, and he left a successor also. Mm, uh, I don't know if he left a successor or they elected one. Uh, okay. I'm not really sure. I think it was more of an election. I don't think he specifically said. Uh, if I, I read a couple things, I could I be wrong, but I think. Indian body. Yeah. There was a chance one of my godbrothers was going to was going to take over that mod. He was he was up. Just stay there. Which godbrother was that? Uh, I don't know. It might have been dear Krishna. Dear Krishna. Dear Krishna. Dear Krishna. Yeah. D I R. Dear. Yeah, dear Krishna.